Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 132. For those of you who are new to the show, yep, you've heard it, I'm Jeff Nicholson, and I'm a specialist in the performance and mindset, working with entrepreneurs all over the world, supporting them to be the best and perform at the highest levels in life and business. And I achieve this through my coaching and online programs. If you're listening to this episode of the car, cafe, home, or if you're really lucky, somewhere exotic, my aim is for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. Remember, to be exceptional will require you to pause, reflect, and implement. This episode is sponsored by Bodicard, which we will hear more about later on in the show. So let's get started. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So before we get started, I just want to say a massive big hello hope you're well to the single listener in the whole of Saudi Arabia um, is a gentleman called David. So David, hope you're well, hope life is all cool and you are settling in well to your, um, into Saudi Arabia. So I uh, just wanted to do that. And if anyone wants a shout out, please just send me an email. The email is in the show notes and at the end of this episode. So let's get started. Our guest today is John Vroman. Now, John inspires others to live life in the front row by teaching the art of moment making. He is an award-winning speaker, number one best-selling author of The Front Row Factor, podcast host and founder of Front Row Foundation, a charity creating front row experiences for individuals who brave life-threatening illnesses. John, welcome to the show. What's up, Jeff? Good to, good to be with you, man. It has been a long time. It's been a long time. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. Yeah, this will be fun to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last time that when, when, we, when we did, when I was blessed to do the interview on your show, your kids were, were quite small. <laughs> they seem to have this, uh, this thing that happens every night when they go to bed. It's this growth spurt, and they wake up in the morning, and I measure them against the wall, and I'm wide-eyed. Mine did that. Mine did that. Mine's just turned 20, no, 21 in May and the other one's 18 this year. Oh my goodness. Last time I remember they were like knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah, you know, it goes by fast. It does. It does. But anyway, brilliant. Love to have you on the show. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And I know that the guests, the audience are going to love it as well. But could you give us a little bit of a background that what's brought you to this point today? Yeah. Um, so I think the important part of the story is that, uh, and, and I'll give thanks to my amazing mom and dad. Um, I had a great childhood and I'll kind of leave it at that. It's not without its struggles. I was pretty short and there was some bullying, but I think all those painful life lessons ultimately led to what I do today, which is I try to help people um, to, as we say in our community, to live life in the front row. And what that means to us is people that are step up, um, that stand up for what they believe in and to, you know, to ultimately get close to the people, places, thoughts, and things that, um, that both make us come alive and that we can ultimately elevate where we can ultimately elevate others. So being in the front row for somebody is about witnessing them, about lifting them up and putting them on stage and making other people the rock star. And so, um, you know, there's been a big journey with that. We started a charity back in 2005 called Front Row Foundation, where we put people who have a life-threatening illness in the front row with our favorite live event. It's very much like uh, Make-A-Wish meets Tony Robbins. And it's a personal growth element along with a, you know, how to make the most of all of our moments and the time that we've been given. And so uh, that's been now, gosh, uh, 14 years that we've been doing that. Uh, you know, I've been a keynote speaker. I wrote a book called The Front Row Factor and ultimately landed me in a space being a father where I wanted to help other men who are high-performing entrepreneurs to put family first. And so we have the, the Front Row Dads uh, is a brotherhood of right now about 120 men in five different countries that all get together, talk every month, and then they get together twice a year for retreats. And we focus on marriage and parenting and work-life balance and all those things. And it's been an amazing journey. So I split my time between Front Row Dads and Front Row Foundation right now, about half and half. And 
Um, and the most important part of that whole dialogue is that I do all of that in support of my family. I have a wonderful wife, Tatiana, who is, uh, we've been married for 11 years. I have two boys, a 10 year old and almost five, Tiger and Ocean. And we live in Austin, Texas. And that's the basics. Yeah, yeah. And it, I think the one thing that really um, attracted me to you and the stuff that you did, and I've been following you in the background, and I know I'm part of the Front Row Dads Facebook group and stuff like that, is just this um, passion you have to help men be able to have that successful business, but also just be successful in the the most in far as i'm concerned i mean like when we when we met i'm a dad first is that that bit of family and that bit of life and relationships with the important people in our lives and i love the way you do that mm -hmm. yeah yeah there was a there was a, you know, i remember when that hit me for the first time as i was at a party and somebody had said what do you do and i know what they meant they wanted you know the profession um but i i and i says i started to say it i cut myself off and had said what you just said right it's like hey i'm a father and i'm a husband and when i'm not doing that i happen to do these other things i was like oh that feels good it's not how i'd been living i was definitely a businessman with a family um, and uh, I put business first. It was the first thing in the every day that got my attention. It got my best hours of the day, and I would work really hard, and I'd say I was providing for my family, and, and in many ways I was, but I can also hide there a little bit because you're a rock star sometimes at work. You love your work. It's why you might have chosen your work, especially if you're an entrepreneur, um, and, uh, but you know, there was a paradigm shift, so I didn't start Front Road Ads because I was crushing it as a dad and wanted to tell everybody how to do it. I was started Front Road Ads because I was getting crushed and <laughs> needed answers. So I wanted to learn from and with amazing guys. And it's and, and it's a big, it's a big challenge, isn't it? Because it's, you know, I I, I'm, I can like look at the way that I saw myself before my illness, and it was very caveman esque. I don't talk about my emotions. I get down. I do my work. I provide for my family that way. But you're only providing from a monetary, monetary is that even a real word? But you know what I mean. That, <laughs> yeah, that, sure. that point of view, you're not always fulfilling the other roles in your life, which is, as you say, father and and husband and partner mm -hmm. and lover and stuff like that. Is is what do you kind of like see as a regular thing that seems to pop up as those sort of challenges? Um. What's a what's a regular challenge in regards to which which part specifically? Yeah. So what what do you see as the sort of common regular challenges that people are coming up? Do is it the the role that they feel that they are they have to be that provider? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I think the real I think the challenge, honestly, for a lot of guys is is it's about there. There's an addiction. They're really passionate about their work, and there's always the next thing, right? And they feel like it's now or never with their business. We're at this place where if we don't get this customer and bring them on board and do this thing, or if we don't launch that book, if we don't do this, we're gonna. My life is, you know, this is what I built. I built my whole life. Like a lot of times, their business came before their family right? They, they might have given birth to their business in their early 20s and they were been really working at it. And then they have a family in their early 30s. But you know the, the business has been with them for 10 years and their kids are this brand new. And oftentimes what feels like, and they might not ever say it, but it feels like a distraction, like a pull from, it's like, it, it's why people end up having, you know, people will say like, you don't babysit your kids. Like you're just, you're, you're watching your, some dads will say that like I, I would, but I've, I've got to watch my kids this weekend, right? Versus the whole, I, I get to like, I'm my priority is my kids. I'm choosing to do this, not like, ah, uh, you know, like this burden that's pulling at them. I think for a lot of guys, it's literally the pull to their business that's hurting um, their family life. I think that's part of it. I, I think it's also just about recalibrating. I mean, sometimes it's like, it's hard to recalibrate and say, how can I do more with less? How can you get more done at work with less hours? That's a difficult thing. Sometimes the easy answer is grind harder right? Just more hours makes us feel like I'm just, I'm just going to work harder at that problem versus saying, no, I start work at 10. I end work at four. I don't work on weekends and I've got to figure it out in the time that I've got. So sometimes it's easier to just say, I'm just going to stay and work late and figure this out. Yeah. And the other, the other thing is what I often see is, is they'll do the family, the, 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 if you want their family actions, as, as some of the, my clients have called them, but then what they'll do is when they should be getting good, healthy sleep, they'll burn the hour, the midnight oil 
Yes. So they work all night and then wake up groggy, unmotivated. It's affecting their mindsets, their mental health and everything. And then that then has a knock-on effect on how they're dealing with relationships. You are so right about that. I mean, one of our pillars in Front Row Dads is vibrant health, and that's a mental, physical, and spiritual health for all dads. You know, a couple years ago, so last year I gave up alcohol. It's been one year this month, actually, as of maybe even yesterday. I don't remember the exact day, but I think it was around the 10th of September. And uh, I gave up alcohol. I'm a way better dad that I gave up since I gave up alcohol. Now, nobody would have said I had a major problem. I didn't crash cars. It wasn't like I didn't go to prison because I, right? Like none of that. Uh, I didn't do anything stupid at a party or whatever. I didn't cheat on my wife because of drink. I, the thing was that I just realized that I could not be the dad that I wanted to be by maintaining a lifestyle that I had created in my 20s, right? Um, and yeah, a lot of it is that. It's sleep. It's it's uh, what we're putting in our body. It's physical health. This whole dad bod thing drives me crazy too. Like it's some badge of honor to have a dad bod. And I'm like, dude, I, listen, whatever your body looks like is fine. Like you don't have to have ripped six pack abs to be in shape, right? Or to be physically fit. I, one of my buddies did an Ironman at 240 pounds and you couldn't see his abs, but he was extremely strong and very fit. And it, this is more about like, how we view ourselves. And I think society has kind of like, at least, and I don't know what it's like where you are, Jeff, uh, you know, cause I, uh, I've spent some time, you know, uh, but you know, in it, where we are and depending on where your listeners are, but in the U S there's kind of like, we poke fun at dads. Like, you know, you're kind of like this bumbling idiot who can't change a diaper and you're like, I don't know what to do. And like, I've got the kids and you know, that I'm, I'm out of shape and I'm wearing, you know, like, like goofy clothes and all that stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, why does it have to be that way? Why can't we create this stronger, more powerful, more centered, more balanced, more, you know, whatever it is type of guy that's like excellent in all areas? That's what I want to chase. That's what, that's the type of group I want to be around. Yeah, to, I agree. I mean, I talk about, um, you know, go out there, create and live be, and be exceptional. And it's the thing is, is to me, and I don't like the way they call it the modern man. The modern man is, you know, he, he's... Um, He's uh, grounded. He's he practices mindfulness. You know, he he does all that. To me, that's just being a man with common sense. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I like it, man. It, that's it, cool. It's, it's it's a bit like you know this this misconception of what hustle means. And to me, it's hustle. If you're going to hustle, hustle healthily. Don't yeah, think right. that the that crazy attitude where you're going to get a medal because you're working. 40 hours or 22 hours a day or something yeah. like that because the only thing that you're going to get is is you're going to get a gravestone quicker that mm-hmm. in the reality yeah. of it that's going to be the case and i think this misconception of what a modern a modern man should look like it's just look if you're happy healthy and fulfilled then you're doing well mm-hmm. and all all our goal should be is to go out and achieve that mm-hmm. you know yeah. So in your, in your experience, you know, either both in your personal experience or in with the guys that you work, where can, you know, let's say there's that guy, um, he's, he's feeling the pain that you're talking about. Where would you suggest some of the strategies that you, you suggest that they could start to start making a positive impact? Well, there's so many things and I think you have to know yourself, right? You almost have to look back at your life and say, when I made change before, what did I do? Because for me, looking back, um, you know, when I was in this place and realized I wasn't being a great dad, I wasn't being a great husband, what should I do? I said, well, when I've created massive quantum leaps in my business, what did I do? And a lot of it is you have to learn from and with other amazing people. It's community. A lot of it's community. I mean, this has been so well documented, right? It's like, it's, uh, you know, the famous and, and often, you know, look, we could say overquoted, but it's quoted a lot because it makes sense as you're an average of the five or 10 people that you spend the most time with. Well, so I, got, I, I need to get around other men and have active conversations around this topic, right? I, I love going to events. I, but like, I, I grew so much when I went to events for speaking and coaching. And if my wife wanted to learn about homeopathy or uh, yoga or anything, she went to events. She got trained. She spent time around other people that were excelling. There was a sharing of best practices. There was a place to ask your biggest questions, right? Places where you struggle. I was like, I don't, why, why doesn't that exist for 
high-performing entrepreneurial dads? Why, why is this literally maybe the most important job we have on the planet, and yet there's very little resources for the, that group of men out there? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why would we invest thousands of dollars in business masterminds, but think we don't need it for our families? We think we're like born amazing dads and like marriage experts and sex gods and all these things, like you're born that way? It's like, no, most men suck at sex. They're horrible husbands. <laughs> They're terrible dads. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm not saying most men are, but I'm kind of exaggerating for effect to say, look, you know, uh, two years ago, I, I, you know, I used to think I was decent at sex until I learned actually about sex. And now I look back and go, I don't even know how my wife stayed with me for the first nine years. Right. That's a, that's a fact. Um, uh, I look at my relationship and say, I used to think I was a pretty good husband. And now I look back and say, I don't know how she stayed with me based on how I behaved and how I acted and how I treated my family. Like I wasn't beating anybody, you know, I wasn't that, but I also wasn't engaging, right? You can't say, well, I didn't suck. You have to say, what's excellent look like, right? Like you talk about. And it's with your kids. Like some, I used to say like, well, if I provide and I pay, you know, I've got money and I love my kids, that's enough. And I've heard people say that, like, all you got to do is show up and love your kids. And I go, no, actually, that's not true. Um, you don't have to just show up and love your kids. I think that's like a baseline. <laughs> that's like the starting place of what you should do. But beyond that, there's actually more to it. There's uh, more intention, right? Why would we spend so much time thinking about our business values, writing them out, talking about them as a team, hiring experts to come in to help us with our businesses, and yet somehow we think we don't have to do that for our families? So I think that where we start is we start with education. We start with community. We start doing, go, go to the, if you like to listen to books, listen to books. You like podcasts, check them out. You like to go to live events, go to live events. And if you don't know, they can go experiment with those and figure out what you do. But somehow we all have to get educated. Yeah, totally. And I think there's two things to that is number one, it's courage. There's nothing, I, th I think there's, when, as you say is, is if there's difficulty, you'll hire a coach. Or, you know, if you want to get fit, you'll go to the gym and you'll work with people that help you. It's that, it's having the courage to go, I'm not the best dad I can be. Yeah. And that, and, and understanding that that's not a fate, you know, that's not a failure. Yeah. It's just identifying what you can improve on. Yeah. And, and it's whether it is, and one of the other things um, I get, some of my clients to do is when you talk about the between the five and 10 people around you who um, you end up being like, is I ask them to choose 10 people that are most influential in their lives and rate them out of 10 yeah. and, don't, and don't pick six. Mm -hmm. And what you'll find is very quickly they'll identify and they say, well, why are you around this person? And, and what I do is I get them to rate both. What are you as a friend and what are they as a friend? Yeah. Yeah, so you kind of like get a feedback and you go, why would you not want anything 8, 9, 10? Why right. will you accept to have people 5, 4, 3 right. around the, who are going to speak to you on a day-to-day -day basis? It doesn't make sense to me. And I ask them then, to, how would they rate their relationships and ask their partners to rate their relationships? And by God, do they get shit scared when yeah. all of a sudden they go up to their kids and go, out of 10, what would you rate our relationship? And it, but it makes you think and power of awareness is when you can do action. Well, you're asking great questions and that's what a great relationship is about is somebody asking great questions. And then the questions are illuminating. The questions are create self-awareness. If we aren't aware of something, then we can't change it. You know, a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago now, well, as this releases, it was probably several weeks, but we had Kim and Nami on our show. Kim's a intimacy expert and sex expert and talking to her and I'm Got going, that on my right, playlist, John. What's that? I've got that in my playlist. Yeah, yeah. It's titled Have Better Sex, right? I figured that was a good title. But the thing is that it's not, it's not a dirty subject. It's not like a raunchy, dirty subject. This is about connecting. This is about expression. This is about power and, and love. And like, she is all about that. And I said, hey, you know, I feel like I've really upped my game with my wife and my, in the sex department over the last you know, year or two. But I'm like, how does a guy know? Like, sometimes I'm like, okay, so I did this position and that position. <laughs> By the way, you're like, I didn't see this on our show, John. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I said to her, I said, you know, I've got this position and that position. And sometimes I go, are there any other positions? Right? Like, like you almost get what my point is, you get to this place in life where, you know, I get on the phone with Kim and I'm like, so what's possible? And she starts laying out, like, if you do this and this and this, if you haven't done this, 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 if you're not at this level here, 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 then you've got room to grow. And I was like, okay, I have a lot of room to grow. Right. And then that's exciting because you're talking around about somebody that's helping to, 
elevate you, to lift you up, that they've specialized in an area that they're, everybody has a strength, right? We have 120 men in our group and they're all members who all have strengths. And one person's crushing it in one area and they're getting crushed in another. But that's what I say to the guys. I go, you show up to Front Row Dads when you're crushing it so you can pour into other people because one day when life throws you a curveball, you've got all these men and all this social equity and all these uh, people who would do anything for you. And you've now got you know, 120 new ideas coming your way of how to solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, it's, 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 it's the power of the mastermind in a different topic, but still an extremely valuable resource for you to improve on yourself. Yeah. And we should all have it. You don't have to pay for it either. Like you don't have to pay to my, join my group. You can, but you can also just do it yourself. You can just get guys together in your area. You can do this with, you know, people do it with Bible study. They do it with dad groups. They do it with, you know, like, look, you just have to create the environment and you have to create the conversation. That's why people hire guys like you and, and other people to be influencers in their life because you get somebody that asks the right question, creates the right, con the, the right space, the right container for growth. Anything's possible. Yeah. And I also think personally, I think a true great mastermind is one where you can talk about both, you know, yeah, well, sure. Masterminds I've been into, you know, you start with the business in mind, because that's, you know, what you read about what a mastermind is. But the ones that have, have either stayed in or have been most impactful are the ones where all of a sudden is business can go completely out the window for about two or three months, because we're talking about other issues. That's cool. I could speak to you for hours. I could speak to you. <laughs> Actually, one of the things I must mention, I remember listening to one of your shows and Hal was talking about date night. Yeah. And he was saying is, is if you treat when you take your wife out on date night as a first date, why do people think that going to the same restaurant every single day, every single week is a good thing? Yeah. Well, but we often say right. in our group that we, we say, look, if you if you got divorced, right, play it out for a moment. If you got divorced, and there's guys out there listening that, of course, have been divorced. You might be remarried or thinking about being in another relationship. Wherever you are, um, most people can relate to this idea. The idea is, it, like, and I'll even go back to not even getting divorced, but breaking up with somebody. So in my past, prior to being married, I break up with somebody they'd break up with me, whatever, more likely that. And, uh, and here's what I would do. I would, I would always up my game. I'd start going to the gym more. I'd buy some new clothes. I would, and I've done this. I remember it, right? Like I, when I end the first dates that you're like, how can I be, I'm like this amazing listener and I'm asking all these questions. I'm super interested. Of course you fall in love, right? Of course that person loves, right? Of course they're like, cause you're sending your representative and you're like, everything's, everything's dialed in at that point. I go, well, look, if you got divorced and you were going to do that, which a lot of people would, why wouldn't you do it for your wife? Why don't you hit the gym? Why don't you buy some new clothes? Why don't you upgrade your life? Why don't you take her on a date, right? Why don't you get creative? Why don't you try to woo your wife? We call that woo your wife. Why aren't, why? And listen, are you going to do that every week? Of course not. Is that, but, but when you, you've got to cycle into these things and you've got to remember, and what I mean by, are you not going to do that every week? What I'm saying is there are seasons of any relationship and sometimes you're going to be hitting it out of the park. And sometimes you're going to get into a season of life where it's just, look, one of your children gets really sick and you're in the hospital constantly and your level of wooing your wife might not be at the highest level it could possibly be, but you can do the best you can with what you've got. There are ways to woo her in simple ways. But what I'm saying is it's something that we have to understand can, uh, we check in on these different areas and it was like juggling, right? One time we were like, we throw the ball. We're like, that one's okay. I got momentum there. Now let me focus on this other one and give it some attention. That's what it is. Yeah. Looking for a great business opportunity? Barter Card franchises are based on an area model, and it's simple. The more business you generate, the more you earn. Owning a Barter Card franchise gives you the control to be your own boss, along with the reassurance and ongoing support from a world-class global management team. Franchisees grow their business by meeting business owners and demonstrating how Barter Card works, and how Barter Card is a key tool in the development of their business by guaranteeing to bring new customers increasing sales, saving cash and improving cash flow, providing the opportunity to fill their spare capacity or downtime and sell their excess stock without special offers or discounts, improving profitability and providing an interest-free line of credit to preserve cash. 
In return, Bartercard provides a comprehensive support program, including business planning templates, office setup and support, regional marketing support, and initial and ongoing training. If you're interested in this amazing business opportunity, please contact Nadia Ruhi on 0800 840 That's 0800 840 Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go to the second part of the show. This is where I ask the guests um, like John to answer several questions that I ask every single guest who comes on the show. So, John, are you ready? Yeah, man, let's do it. Okay, question number one. On average, how much time a week do you spend, um, sorry, do you dedicate to self-development? That's body, mind, and spirit. Oh, yeah, this is tougher to answer because I, no I no longer batch it together. So I'm not, I'm not doing that. But I mean, if I'm guessing and I add it up all throughout the days, the workouts, every type of personal development? Yeah, so body, mind, and spirit. Body, so mind, and spirit, every day, how much time do I spend on it? Three hours? Okay. I asked this question Fred because, all throughout the day. I think that's really important, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think you see, I think what's really important is, is people who want to make a shift in an area of their life, you'll find you'll get them come up to you and you go, oh yeah, well I've I, you know I, I read a I read a book uh, last month. It's the first one I've read in six months, and it's like yeah. brilliant. But if you're wanting to make the shifts, if you want to be as I deem it, exceptional you've got to put the time in. And Every the day. reason why I ask that question is, is when you ask, there's never someone that goes, I don't spend at some point time in the day to learn. Yeah. And, that, and, and it's that, it's that dedicating. If you want to grow, you've got to, you know, you've got to, you've got to fertilize, you've got to water, you've got to do all yeah. those things because that's the only way you're going to move forward. Agreed. Okay. Question number two. You're going to love this one. What book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why? Oh, well, Just you know what? Book. Yeah, I get it. People are like, let me give you three. Um, the one book I would tell you about is called The Ultra Marathon Man, written by a guy named Dean Carnassus. I read it back in 2004, 2005. And it's a book, even if you're not a runner, it's a book about potential. It's a book about stepping up in your life and about doing big things and reach, you know, finding where your limits are. I love that book. That book changed my life. I read it. I ran an ultra marathon. It's one of the reasons that we, you know, it's one of the, it was, it was a moment in time in 2005 when we started Front Row Foundation, which changed my life forever. So I credit Dean Carnassus in that book. And I, by the way, I had a privilege of interviewing Dean and having him on the show at one point. It was awesome. At one point, he was rated like in the top 100 most influential people in the world. Um, by Time Magazine, he was rated, you know, uh, one of the most influential people. And what he's done is remarkable. You should go check him out. Dean Carnassus, The Ultra Marathon Man. It's a great read. How far, how long is an ultramarathon? Anything, uh, well, uh, I, I can answer for the US, anything over a, an official full marathon, which is 26.2 miles. Right. I don't know what that translates to in kilometers, okay. but, um, but it's- so We're English, we use both. Oh, okay. So <laughs> miles, miles and distance and then kilometric when we want to. So we, yeah. <laughs> we know what that for is. Awesome. So yeah, so I ran two, I ran three, uh, I ran 250, three mile marathons and then another 40 some mile marathon. Um, those are my experiences, but Dean has done insane things. Like, like he, he ran a relay race that was supposed to be run by multiple people, like where 20 people would run 10 miles and each one would tag out. He ran all 200 miles of it. So he would do insane things like that. It was crazy. It was awesome. Wow. Wow. Okay. Question number three, what app makes the biggest impact to your business or life? What app, man, you make me want to look at my phone. Um, what would that be? Cause I have several that I, I mean, in one way you could argue and I don't want to say it, but you almost have to argue Facebook, right? If we think about like interaction and posting and engagement and communication, it's probably Facebook. If I were to give you something that might be a little more unique Right now, something that maybe other people haven't heard about, or maybe it's a little more you know, uh, aura, O-U-R-A. It's a ring that you wear, and it tells you um, your sleep patterns. And oh, wow. Like a readiness score every day. And it's just a ring. I wear it like a wedding ring. It tracks my heart rate, my heart rate variability, my um, sleep efficiency, REM sleep, deep sleep, like all that stuff. And um, 
my body temperature. So I've been really enjoying this because in a going full circle here, right back to the sleep thing, uh, I've realized that sleep is, I am being productive. My body is healing itself. It's actually working very hard to heal for the next day. And you can't be in fight and flight uh, and rest and digest at the same time. So rest and digest is the, you know, everything where at night where your body is building for the next day. So okay. got to build so I can attack. Does, that, does that communicate to your phone or, or yep. how does, yep. yeah. it's an app on the phone. So every day I look at that app and I'm tracking. And so that's when, that's making a big difference in my life because it's, it's making, I'm, I'm, I'm quantifying uh, and qualifying my sleep. And it's like you said, awareness is power. When you yeah, start identifying what's going on, then you can yeah. make... I tended to notice that when I watched Game of Thrones, when I binge watch Game of Thrones for a month, my sleep went down. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you this completely side question. What did you think of season eight? Oh, well, look, I liked it. I thought it was great, but I'm also very forgiving and a loving person. So I thought it was great. Um, You're not from the North. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of it, but you know. Okay, so question number four is what's been your biggest, let's say, business mistake, which turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you? Oh, man, my, business, my biggest business mistake um, you know, what comes to mind with that, and I could probably think of one better, but uh, well, let me just say this. In 2008, when I left my corporate job to go start as a speaker, right, I had spent all my savings and went into debt. They were calling to foreclose on my house. And uh, it was a terrible time financially specifically, and it was affecting all areas of my life, my relationship with my wife, my had a newborn. Um, it was terrible, like on many levels. And I remember spending our last bit of money to try to get things going. And I just, it was like the first time that I started to feel, I was very optimistic for, for a year, even into the second year. But it was like this moment of time when I started to feel like, oh man, like, am I going to, do I have what it takes to pull this off? Is this going to work? And there was like this moment of questioning it. It was my low point, you know, and there was a lot, of, I could tell you the whole story. It's like, there's much more tragic elements, like the point where I didn't get a single present for my family for Christmas, like nothing, like not a single present. Um, it was crush. It was a crushing time. But what that, what that, I, I think that through that difficulty, I think I learned to appreciate, um, life in general a lot more by by finding the bottom uh and i think we need that from time to time i think we need perspective i think we need to go travel and see the world i think we need to in order to understand how great food is we need to not eat it for a while i think in order to understand how much you love somebody you need to create some distance for a while i think that the the highs and lows are important so that to me was a i was failing miserably day in and day out but then again, I was learning every day. So the lesson that was learned was when you have a dream and you stay persistent with it, if you keep pivoting, if you keep learning, if you keep adjusting, that it may, it's not guaranteed to, but it may work out. And everybody has to know how much they're willing to sacrifice or give up in order to get there. I was willing to spend all my money. I was willing to go into debt. I was willing to put my house on the line. I wasn't going to let my family get injured, right? I wasn't going to let them starve to death, but I was certainly willing to let it be really uncomfortable for the, the path that we were on. And I felt it. And then it turned around and I won college speaker of the year one year. And then the next year I made a hundred grand and the next year I made 200 grand and then the rest was history. And so, you know, it turned, it worked out okay, but I just learned that. And I, I I'm so grateful that uh, I, I stuck with my dreams and that I kept pivoting. Yeah. Until, you know, Pivoting within the business model, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is I think you're right as well as I know through what I went through, some people will kind of go, well, why are you signing up for always? I mean, don't get me wrong, I do get down and all of that stuff. But majority of the time, I can look at things and just brush it off. And it's because I've gone through worse. Yeah. So, the, so you kind of like look at the things and go, why do you get so wound up over something yeah. so insignificant? Yeah. That you know, and I think that there's a there's a massive life lesson in just that alone. Yep. Okay. Question number five: What are your challenges in harmonizing work and life, and how do you manage them? Oh, 
Um, the challenge is with harmonizing it. Uh, I feel like my priorities are aligned right now to where I'm giving the right amount of time in the right places. I feel good with that. Uh, in fact, my wife was just gone for 16 days in Russia and I took care of both. I, you know, I, I got both boys for 16 days, morning, noon, and night. And I, I felt awesome about that. I feel really good about my harmony and the integration between the two. I took my son on a business speaking trip. So that's good. Where I struggle is probably the carried over energy when things aren't going at well at work. Like if, like if I get a, an email um, from, that I dropped the ball and I disappointed somebody uh, in my work, right? That something broke or it went wrong or whatever, we lost a customer or something like that, right? And I have that energy and I walk downstairs, I can tell sometimes, because I'm talking about in my house, I work out of my home office, that I, my son will ask me a question and I'll be quicker, right? I'll be a little curt. I'll be a little, uh, I'll cut him off. Like hit, the energy is, I don't have time for you. I don't have time for that question. And what he's sensing and what he's feeling and what I'm projecting is that I'm not happy and therefore I don't have time for you because I've got to sit in my misery to figure this out. Like I've got to contemplate like what I could do differently. If I don't completely align my energy before I see my family, I will impact them in negative ways, right? Or like I look at my phone and I realize I'm late for a call because I didn't pay attention to the clock. And then my son asked me a question right in that moment. And I'm like, I don't have time, right? I, not now, right? And then it's like, oh, I, that was my fault. I wasn't dialed in on my work. I wasn't ahead of schedule. And then all of a sudden I made my problem his problem. He's just asking me a question. But I made my problem his problem because I, I, because I wasn't on my game enough to be, you know, when I'm 10, 15 minutes early and he has a question, yeah, buddy, what do you need? I'm running late because I dropped the ball. I didn't pay attention. That's my hardest thing with work-life balance or integration. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Um, number six, what advice would you give an entrepreneur? Because I think the, if we look at this from either a new entrepreneur coming into it, um, or even an entrepreneur who's a bit seasoned, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you'd known starting out? You'll, you'll probably hear this from other people too. And I, and it's probably because I got this advice from other people and it worked. And that is don't try to do everything at once. You know, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you want to become a thought leader in the space of whatever. And you're like, oh man, that person's got the website and the podcast and the book and they're speaking and they've got a group coaching program and private coaching and they've got a course. And you know, it's like, you cannot do all that at one time. You know, you're not going to do that year one, most likely. Now, I, I, I don't want to doubt your abilities, you know, like maybe you'll prove me wrong. Maybe you're superhuman, but for most, uh, for most normal human beings, they need to build something and create success with it, right? So one of my mentors, Josh Shipp, uh, when I was getting into the speaking business, he's like, just build one thing. Pick one market, college students, pick one area, you know, uh, orientations as an example, uh, or leadership, and then go after that and build a six-figure business. And once you've built a six-figure business there, then go do something else and build another six-figure business. And you might have these multiple pillars of six-figure businesses, or you decide that you want to take that to a seven-figure business, but get momentum. Don't try to become a podcast host and write a book and be a keynote speaker and develop that app that you want to do and all those things all at the same time. Focus, 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 right? You, you, now, yeah, are we all going to juggle a few things? For sure, we're entrepreneurs, right? But you know, the more that we can drill down, the more we can create harmony, the more that we can get things to work together, the more that we can align. That word alignment is so huge. Now, even like investors, when they're looking at their portfolios, they're like companies that I want to invest in. How do I get them to, like what if I, if I invest in these three companies, can they all support each other? The success of one company affect another. Well, you know, how does my business help my charity as an example, right? How does my, if I'm going to do something, how does it, you know, my podcast helps my dad's group. It all aligns in the same area. I want to do lots of different things, but I've had to let go of things. I used to run a speaker training program and I did let go of that because I wanted to go all in on the dads. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's understanding it's a journey. It's yeah. not, it's not about immediately turning to your destination as much as probably, as you say, majority of people where they first start, that's the way they think. Yeah. It's, they've got to understand that it's, you know, even, even if you look at just one of the things you talked about starting a podcast, you're not going to have 
a podcast like Lewis Howes or, uh, <laughs> or something yeah, that's as right. soon as you start. But there's an expectation that that's what we're competing against. Yeah. You know, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to go, I want to be as big as, you know, and it's like, sorry, I'm, I'm happy if a thousand people listen to my show every, every month. And, yeah. you know, and as that grows and as it increases, you just sit there and go, awesome. You know, I'm moving in the right direction. We start small and we work up. And that's what it, and to me, that's exactly what you've just said. It's just that graduation and patience. Yeah. And it'll, yeah. You know, and hopefully it'll come. Okay. Question number seven, what is your definition of success? Um, to me right now, success is being a father and a husband and, uh, and, and being present with my family, growing in that area and, um, you know, and being able to make an impact in the world at the same time. I don't know to what level, you know, I don't know what's possible in all those areas. I don't know how big the business will be. I don't, I don't like to quantify it in that way that success means a million people will have been impacted by me. I don't like that. What I like is, uh, I know at the end of the day, if I actually gave it my best and I know if I actually showed up with integrity, I don't need any type of scorecard or record keeping or anything like that. I don't need an app to tell me I literally can lay my head on the pillow. And I know at the end of the day, I'm like, I laid it all on the line. I showed up, I had integrity. I loved on people. I like, I know, right. And I know when I don't, I know when I was selfish. I know when I, uh, when I, when I mailed it in, I know when I gave up, I know all those things. I know when I'm dropping the ball. I know when I'm just flat out being lazy. I know that. So to me, success is having more days where I'm winning than I'm not. You know, that to me is like, I get I'm going to have bad days. I'm a human being, but if I can win more of the days than I lose out of the week, I'm going to call that a victory. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay. Question number eight. Do you have any daily routines or rituals that make a huge impact to your day? Uh, many. Yeah. I feel like, by the way, I feel it's so funny. Like, this is a good question. I feel like it's like deja vu. I feel like I had a dream that I answered this question for you. I'm <laughs> um, more like a nightmare if you know you're on my show. Lots of them. You know, having my, one of my best friends in the world be, you know, uh, the author of the Miracle Morning, I have to say that, uh, but we do have a Miracle Morning. It's not always the six savers that he promotes every day. But, you know, my miracle morning is usually more like, uh, you know, coffee, <laughs> um, a good book, you know, and, uh, you know, time with my kids, uh, having routines of things that matter to me, reading matters to me, reading in front of my kids with my kids. That's a huge one. Learning, always be learning. It's a huge one. Hydration. I know that sounds weird. You usually don't hear that in people's routines, but like I, I, I have a lot of energy that goes towards hydration. In the morning, I spend like 30 minutes making lemon waters and, uh, you know, I get the kids water, my wife water. I make, uh, shakes and smoothies and like, I'm, I'm literally trying to hydrate the family. It's really interesting that I put a lot of energy into that. Right. Um, so so to me, it's about health. It's about mental, physical, spiritual, whatever that looks like. So meditation, reading, all that in the morning. And then the other habit that I think is really critical, and we kind of alluded to that er this earlier, but it's like every day, all day long, I'm trying to move my body. I was standing on a balance board when I'm recording podcasts. podcasts. I've got a pull-up bar in the hallway that I do pull-ups when I enter my office. I've got a rebounder. I've got yoga swings. I've got, right, like I'm trying to take calls and walk and talk at the same time. So to me, the habit is how much can I move all day long as I'm doing stuff? So people are like, you want to go to coffee? I'm like, not really, but I'd rather go for a walk, right? Hey, hey, you want to go for dinner? Nope. That's family time, but I would love to go for a walk with you in the afternoon, right? Let's walk and talk. That's where I want to invest my time. Those are my habits that I think are really helping me. Yeah, there's a couple of, one, it doesn't sound like you've got an office. It sounds like a playground. I, mean, <laughs> I do, man. If you saw it, I'm staring at a snowboard. And <laughs> yeah. But I think that's an interesting one is, is because and I know with a few of my clients, we do walking meetings and we get so much more out of it than just sitting. I've got one specifically, he, his business is about castles. Um, so he finds these great walks through the countryside where there's a castle in some way, shape or form in there. And I just think there's something about breaking that tradition of let's sit down and sit in the board meeting and have a meeting, do something different because your brain will just think in a different way as well. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Changing environment. We wrote about a lot of that in the front row factor book too, about how environment shapes our thinking in such a big way. Yeah. So I'm, I agree. 
That's cool. Is there, is there pressure on you for no, have been uh, great friends with Hal about achieving the morning? Oh, well, no, I mean, he doesn't. It's a friendly competition. Yeah, no, but it, it does make sense. I mean, look, it's I subscribe to it, right? I, I woke up this morning at, uh, you know, 5 a.m. and got things rolling and it was great. You know, it's a very, his concept is very important. It's if you can give to yourself in the morning, you can do more during the day. That makes tons of sense. He's not the first one to ever talk about it. He did put it in a brilliant system. He wrote a great book and he's been killing it ever since. So yeah, but he, I mean, there's a little pressure to go to bed on time when you're around him. Like we travel together and he does it, man. He'll literally, we've been in Vegas and he's been in bed at 8.30, um, up at 3.30. So he does it. Okay, so the final question is a life lesson question. This is where you get to pick a number between one and one and twenty, and whatever that lands on, that is based on a life lesson that I have learned. It's our final conversational topic. So, could you please pick a number between one and twenty, John? Fourteen. Fourteen. Um, be the real you. So we've actually talked. We've kind of like covered this in the thing. It's about one of the things I realized when I was prior to my illness was I always tried to be someone else. I always tried to be the person that everyone else wanted me to be rather than just me. Um, and what I've always found is, is that was a huge stress. It was a, almost like a performance anxiety. And when I came out the other side and I, and I started to look at it, I swore to myself that the only person I would ever be was me. Um, and I would always be authentic. And I know that's a word that bounces around like God knows what, but um, live with integrity, which you mentioned before, be authentic, embrace my own natural talents, you know, stand by my beliefs and my values and set standards that I'm going to live by, by every day. And, and it amazes me how many people um, feel that they can't be themselves. It's one of the things I like helping with and, you know, and obviously you like helping people achieve that as well. Um, what has your experience has been about that? About which part? About, I embracing the real you. I mean, obviously, based on what we've been talking about today, you are, you know, you work very, very hard to be the real John now yeah. with integrity and everything. Oh, man, I uh, spent years trying to be somebody else, for sure. When I was younger, even like my primary question, if you any Tony Robbins grads out there in Date with Destiny, he talks about primary question. And you know, my primary question was, how can I fit in? You know, that was always it. How can I fit in? How And, you know, I've wrestled with this because I, you know, I even wrote about uh, several times this idea of like when I go to somebody's house, as an example, let's say that their tradition is to take off their shoes, right, in their house. Uh, but I don't take off my shoes in my house. If I walk into their house and I take off my shoes because it's their tradition, it's their home, right? It's their culture. Am I being untrue to myself? Should I stand up for myself in that moment and be like, uh, I don't take off my shoes. That's who I am. That's, that's it, my authentic self. Or do you bend a little bit and change who you are because you're in somebody else's home and it's their culture? I've wrestled with different analogies like that about where should we be ourselves and where do we need to be so, like uh, adaptive to cultures? You go to one country and a certain hand motion, uh, you know, says A-okay in another country that's like F off, right? So you, you, you have to learn, you know, there's almost a, I want to be me, but I also want to realize I don't live in an isolated world. So the question is, who am I at my core, right? And, and how do I be that and recognize that I live in a culture and a society where being adaptable, uh, adaptive, you know, and, and shifting a little bit of my energy. So I, I feel that there's a balance there. And I've, I think it's an art. Um, I feel like I am totally authentic. I feel like I'm totally me these days. Um, yeah, I like the band Pink Martini. When I was younger, I liked the Grateful Dead because all my friends liked the Grateful Dead and I wanted to like the Grateful Dead because I wanted connection. That makes sense. I'm not a bad person for that. But it's like knowing who I am today, I love it. I love being able to stand up for what I want. And I also love the idea of saying, I'm still learning about myself. And some of the ways that I've behaved, that I tell myself that's who I am, that's not actually who I am. That's how I've behaved for so long. It became part of my identity. So I love trying to go back all the time and, and to reset that and say, who am I really? Like, let's really like, let's take another look at this. I think that's really important. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, so final part of the show is where you get to share with the world um, a, a thing that you would like to share with the audience. 
and it is the floor is now yours. Uh, thanks, Jeff. I, you know, I, I think we've talked about it. I don't need to say much more about it other than the fact that, look, if you're out there listening and you happen to be and identify with being uh, kind of a high performing entrepreneurial guy who uh, wants to be f- a man with family first and then business or so a family man with a business, um, we would love to continue to chat with you. We, we have our podcast and, uh, you know, we think you should still listen to this one. <laughs> but if you want to come talk dad stuff specific, marriage stuff specific, uh, family stuff that way, in that way, we'd love to have you come check out the podcast. Uh, I think that's a great first step. And then we've got all the stuff over at frontrowdads.com. So we just, the big vision is I see 100,000 people in our community in 100 different countries. And I would say for anybody out there who knows the group EO, the Entrepreneur Organization, we want to be like EO for dads. Um, That's what we want to do. And we want to have that conversation, which I think is currently missing from the dialogue. Yeah, totally. And it, and 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 it's obviously, I still want you to listen to this one, but it is a great show. And also it's a great uh, Facebook community as well. So um, I highly recommend it as well. I, I'm always learning stuff from it. And um, and I've been a guest on it, his show as well. So That's right. Check it out. A standard test, really. Um, so anyway, John, just wishing you the greatest success. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I've really enjoyed our chat. Appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks for having me. First of all, let me just say a huge and massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know you're listening. I really appreciate the support. If you would like to know more about me, the services I offer, how to connect with me on social media, then please visit www.successiq.co.uk. Remember, if you're interested in learning some great strategies that I teach or want to be part of the amazingly supportive community where you can find lives, Q&A sessions and other great educational empowering resources, then take action and search for Success IQ Alliance on Facebook and join this brilliant group. It would be lovely to see you there. You can tune in and listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn and of course iTunes. And if you have enjoyed the show and have the time, please leave a rating and review because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm aspiring to do. I wish you the greatest success and remember, don't settle for mediocrity. Go out there and create and live the exceptional. Have a lovely week and remember, just one conversation can create a lifetime of results. See you next week.